HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Did you know that oat milk uses a lot less water, less land, and creates far less greenhouse gases than cow's milk? This useful fact is brought to you by Oatly, the vegan oat milk originally from Sweden that's now available in the U.S. You can find out more useful facts than you'd ever want to know about oat milk at Oatly.com. That's O-A-T-L-Y dot com. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Ellen Bennett, founder and CEO of Headley & Bennett, the culinary lifestyle brand that redefined the word apron. In the past five years, Ellen has branched out beyond aprons to chef coats, work shirts, shoes, and socks, as well as home kitchen essentials from a sleek knife bag to towels, napkins, table runners, and more. Headley & Bennett creates, in quotes, proper badass aprons for over 6,000 restaurants, cafes, and coffee shops including Blue Bottle, Sweet Green, and Shake Shack, and outfits home cooks from coast to coast through her website and other high-end retailers. Ellen is a joy and a force, and her book, uh, The School of Hustle, is that the name of it? It's working title? TBD. TBD um, is in the works to release... Next September. Woo! Woo! Um, I'm obviously so glad you're here. I think it's obvious. I'm like, when are you coming? When are you coming? <laughs> um, and you're just one of those people that from the moment I met, I was like just kind of smitten. And I felt like we were um, kindred spirits. Soul sisters. So For sure. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so f- just to get right in there. Dive in first. Where'd you grow up? What'd you want to be? Were you into sewing? Were you into entrepreneurship? Like what was your like vibe so I grew up in LA mm-hmm. I'm an Angelino like a unicorn Angelino nice. but I'm half Mexican half English mm-hmm. so while I grew up in LA I also went to Mexico every year for like three to four months at a time right so I had this awesome smash up of cultures mom, since I was little Mexican dad, mom British. Mexican dad yeah exactly Got it. okay uh so I would you know run around Mexico playing football soccer like right. in the streets barefoot and then eat like walkers cookies and tea with my grandfather right. Headley so that was awesome um and I think from a really young age, I got to see, you know, what 
material life looked like as compared to what happy life uh-huh. uh, looked like, even if you didn't have a lot of material stuff. And interestingly, I know a bunch of people that had very, almost it felt like bifurcated mm-hmm. childhoods. Like I knew a girl who grew up on a commune, but her father was this very sort of like wealthy East Coast, Connecticut family. And every summer she would leave the commune and go to this wow. like yeah, enclave like <laughs> of whatever. And it kind of formed her. It's like that tension made her yeah. who she was, which was so cool. It just gives you such good context from a very little age. Yeah. Like I didn't know how to describe it, but I just knew the feelings that the people uh, around me in Mexico felt were, were of joy and yeah. happiness and vibrancy. And in the U.S., while maybe everybody had more stuff yeah. and more things and bigger houses and nicer everythings, they weren't necessarily exuding that same joy yeah. and happiness that people in Mexico living out of a you know shack essentially right. had. So cool. It's like also I feel like it's perfect like yin-yang. Yeah, like on that line of where these two completely opposing things meet is you, exactly, which makes you you. Oh, thank you. So yeah, so I grew up in LA, and I had that life (laughs) growing up of two countries, and and I think that uh, you know, you asked me if I'm an entrepreneur. I think everyone has glimmers of entrepreneurship, and they're either buried, yeah, (laughs) or they're or they're very exposed, right, and life helped me expose my layers of entrepreneurship, I think, earlier than maybe other people. Yeah. So, I mean, I think of it as like there, I was, you know, I was making like smelly stickers, you know, when I was, (laughs) and I never really, I never wanted to sell smelly stickers. Yeah. I would take stickers and I would like spray them with things or like drop vanilla extract on them. That's cool. I, it was never really about the sales. I think there are kids who are like, they'll resell their lunch money for more, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't do that. I just always liked the idea. I think of like making something new and like getting people to, to want it. Yeah. Not as much. So I think, yeah, it's, were you, did you, were you into stuff, making stuff or? I I really liked making something out of nothing. Yeah. Ever since I was little, just like see it in your head and how do you put it out into the universe? Yeah. I loved that and still do. I know. Me too. It's it's like my biggest joy to see it in your head and then boom, it's there and you're like, yes, I freaking did that. Yeah. And everybody who comes on this show has like a similar, that's the thing, you know, and it comes from all these different disciplines and backgrounds and, but what we all, what, you know, nine times out of 10, what people are most fired up about is like, I had this idea for the most part, not very many people <laughs> thought it was a good idea. Oh yeah. It's like, usually goes yeah. with it. Um, and then now it's out there and now people like use it and it makes their lives better. And we all just are just completely riding on that. Mm-hmm. All all day long. Yeah, someone having enough guts to say this idea that no one else sees that I see in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leap out the window, take the risk, yep. make it happen, and then everyone says, "Oh yeah, right. that's great. I love that." Well, one of the guests who was on here a few weeks ago, um, Jordana, who founded Lola, oh, she yeah. said she quoted Henry Ford, and I've heard a bunch of his quotes, but I hadn't heard this one. Like, if you would ask people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. 
like no one had yeah. in them the imagination oh, to that's right. So good, isn't that good? So I good. probably just badgered it a little bit, but <laughs> okay, it's, I loved it. I got it. Okay. I got the full essence. Um, so you went to culinary school mm-hmm. because you wanted to be a chef. Yes, but I made a funny deal with my dad, who you know, I really my dream was to go to CIA or some fancy school in the United States, and we just couldn't afford it. Right. So when I moved to Mexico, I said, "We're gonna make a deal. You're gonna help me pay for." like restaurant administration school in a culinary school. And then I'm going to learn everything I need to know about cooking by cooking trial by fire. Awesome. And my dad is, you know, blue collar worker man. So he practical, very practical, very pragmatic. And he was like, that's the right thing. He's an engineer and you know, that's just what you do. You you practice and you have theory. So he liked that. So that's what I ended up doing. I also think, um, I don't know about you, but I feel like a lot of people today, they're missing that that part. Like, obviously, the creative instinct and the kind of entrepreneurial instinct is, you know, it's been very celebrated, I think, in our culture lately. Yeah. But there's a lot of sort of like jumping in before they've done their research or before yes. they've learned to do sort of like step A, step B. It doesn't, you don't have to be either or. And mm-hmm. probably to some extent, what you learned in that time, I'm sure has helped you with the business that is. One million what, right? freaking percent. Yeah. And I think that without that sort of get out there in the world where you are exposed and you are, you are not being entitled. You are yeah. simply experiencing life for what it is yep. and nobody gives a shit who you are yep. and you're just showing up to work and you maybe are being paid, but right. probably you're not. Right. And those are the best, best, yep. best moments because you really learn what it's like to show up when no one cares yep. and to be able to continue to show up when no one cares gives you this like resilience that yeah. you will no one can take that away from you and no one can teach it to you yeah and then when the when the ups and the downs come as they do you've kind of got this like steady state line exactly. through like you've already been you. through it yeah. you already feel what low feels like yeah. so you're like cool i got this yeah versus i think sometimes a lot especially i think in our younger generation a lot of kids are like they go to an amazing school they graduate they graduate with honors then they get their masters yeah and then they go out into the real world and they are just punched in the face by life yeah because they haven't experienced truly life as it is that's why i try to just punch my kids in the no (laughs) (laughs) no punching (laughs) i mean metaphorical no for sure yeah no i mean they're like i remember i actually got into like she's older now but one of my teenage daughters a few years ago she said something like you just don't think i'm special and i was like i don't like yeah I mean, I think you're great. I love you. You're my daughter. I, you know, I think you have some qualities that are magnificent, but special, you know, I mean, mm. yeah. and it was like, it was a big kind of come to whatever moment. I don't know. Come to mama, come yeah. to Jesus. I don't know what the Jesus, expression mama, is. I'm not sure neighbor, what the, I don't know. Come to something <laughs> moment. And she still will bring it up. She's like, well, since I'm not special, you know. Oh my God. Um, Okay. So you came back to LA, yep. you were working as a line cook. Did, you thought I wanted, what, what, 
what did you think you were yeah. going to be going into? I for sure thought I was going to have. I love it. There's people cheering us on from the inside <laughs> they don't of know Roberta's. That they're cheering yeah. Us on, but yeah, I think he was just stretching. We'll take it back. He was Thank dancing. <laughs> he was doing a dance. Um, I definitely was determined to be in the restaurant world. I wanted right. to have a taco empire. That was really the dream. Okay, that makes um, sense. And I was like, I'm going to have taco restaurants everywhere. The kind that I loved when I was growing up in Mexico, and I want to bring that joy and vivacity of Mexico to mm-hmm. to LA. And I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to do that, I better go get some hands-on experience in a real restaurant. So Mm -hmm. let's go find a job. So a friend of mine told me a bunch of places to check out. And then I went and demanded a job at a few (laughs) spots, walked in through the back door, quite literally sort of friendly, in a friendly fashion, demanded jobs, got jobs, and then started working as a cook. And it really was trial by far. Like I remember my first night testing uh, out for the job at at Lazy Ox. Mm -hmm. This was pre-Baco Mercat. They were like, cool, you can work hot apps and we'll teach you a couple dishes. And the sous chef, by the end of the night, had taught me all the dishes because I kept learning right, more and right, more. And right. I was like, what's the next one? Teach me the next one. And by the end of the night, I was working the entire station by myself on a Friday night. And I had learned all of the dishes, wow. but I couldn't remember all the dishes. So I took big chunks of um, painter's tape and uh-huh. they had like two inch painter's right, tape. Right, right, right. And I wrote down like okra, uh, <laughs> espalette, um, you know, whatever, right. all the different ingredients. And so my entire station was covered in painter's tape Amazing. with the ingredient list of every dish. And she's like, all right, you're hired. Like you're yeah. a maniac yeah. and I don't even know what just happened, but you learned everything and you have all the ingredients splattered <laughs> all over your entire station, yeah. you weirdo, yeah. but okay. Amazing. Amazing. And that's how I like got the job. So cool. It's such a, it's like, I love stories like this because they really, you know, I think most of the people that listen to this podcast, you know, I don't really love the word hustle. I, I really like the word align mm-hmm. a lot more. Um, I think hustle has almost this like you're fighting against something connotation, whereas align feels to me like you're just, you're just you're hopping getting into the, you're getting yeah, information. Exactly. Um, but they're going to appreciate your uh, your hustle for sure. <laughs> okay, so it all started when you realized that your apron was not performing. It was melt was it melting and ripping? It was, it like I'm picturing like, it like they imploding. Just sucked. Like, yeah. the, they weren't functional and I I love you know, as I said yeah. earlier, I love seeing things in my mind and then having them like appear out in the world, yes, right? And, yeah. and envisioning it. And I thought god this these uniforms really stink they don't fit well everybody just sort of looks yeah. not great Sad. and doesn't feel great yeah. and you would see people that worked in the restaurant come in for dinner and you could barely recognize them because yeah. they're they looked so much uh they just had so much more i don't know they were more dignified like they looked put yes. together yeah. and proper and they had the, held their head up higher yeah. and i was like god if i could do that for the restaurant for the culinary space like i could change the entire restaurant world just yeah. with the sheer notion of a better uniform yeah which is like it's so revolutionary and yet it's so simple right we yeah. all know that like putting on a little something just makes you stand a little differently exactly. and hold your head a little differently and yep. Um, so how did you convince someone to let you make some aprons? Well, I had, 
you know, we were talking about it, uh, had the idea. And then in the kitchen while I was working, I would be, you know, my pockets were ripped off the apron and they right. were dangling. <laughs> and I was just like, this is terrible. So I would make little notes in my, in my ingredients notebook, my right. little recipe notebook at Providence. Uh, when I was working there, I would just jot down like, Ooh, maybe I should have a pocket right. and I need to have something that makes it adjustable. And right. it was so basic. Like I, I didn't sew, I didn't know anything about sewing. I just like knew that it could be better. Yeah. And I was just curious enough to say this can be better. And just because this is the way it is doesn't mean that that's the way it needs to be. Yeah. And that's kind of like the beginning, I think, of anything amazing mm -hmm. is just deciding that there can be something better yep. and not being satisfied with what is. Yep. And then <clears throat> I like the second part of it, which you said curious, right? Like not um, not like closed about it, but just like super open about yes. it you know yes. like what is out there what could be the possibility yeah. you know what like I mean I know with sauce it was very much like we kept hearing the students kind of saying the same thing and and I kept sort of saying why doesn't this exist and right. literally everyone I asked was like it's too expensive and it's too hard to scale you can't you just you cannot do that on a on a on a big you know scale right um and then you ask them why three more times and then the answer changes every time so there's yeah. not even a really you know real or the, the best answer and i'm sure most of the people listening to this have heard it if that was possible it would already exist right which i'm sort of like isn't it's a little entire, bit of a cop out. like i feel like <laughs> the universe is based on that not being true right like totally. the wheel yep okay so you made so so, so basically I sort of had all these ideas flying through my head and I was working in and working through it. Right. I was my own customer yeah, yeah. In, in, a, in a way. And then, you know, I think life has a funny way of doing it where my chef at, Pro, at Baco was like, Hey, we're going to have a girl. She's making a saprons. Do you want to buy one? And we're like standing over the cash register. And I'm like, chef. And this was all in a matter right. of literally seconds. I was like, chef, I have an apron company. What's she charging you? I can do this. <laughs> I, Let have me do I have an apron company. You're like the give me person. the order. Yeah. 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 And, and he was like, you do. What do you mean? You're like, <laughs> A cook in my kitchen and and at that moment I just had I guess enough conviction that right. I convinced him to give me the order and well my job was on the line and he was a chef I respected a lot and I you know didn't want to lose my job and I also had this opportunity and I was like I'm going to take that opportunity and I had done enough things I think in life that I was convinced that if I decided I could do it I could do this too yeah. Totally. Um, and it was lots of other random jobs that I had had that right. I had shown up and continued to show up even when stuff got rough that gave me the, the yeah. courage to say, yes, I will do this. And so what did you do then? I mean, that's great and I love that, but then <laughs> how did you how did actually you get the aprons made? Like what, where did you go? Like found a guy who knew another guy yeah. and I just bartered my way through the first order. I got somebody to make a pattern and I cooked him dinner and another guy <laughs> to make me, I made him breakfast and he made me the, the actual sample. Now yep. that I had the pattern, it was just like so sloppy, so <laughs> slapped together. That's there was nothing yeah. fancy or ed like edited about it. And those first aprons were so bad <laughs> when I turned them in. And if I look back at them, I'm like, Oh my God, God, they were horrible. <laughs> and then like two weeks later, chef was like, these aprons suck. The strap's not working. And I thought, holy yeah. God, like now my job is really on right. the line and he's my first customer. I got to take care of him. So I took back half the order, left him with the other half. You know, we were 
literally like taking the fabric and washing it at a laundromat to get it pre-washed and pre-shrunk and right. we didn't know that you cut it up into pieces so it right. was just like a big wad of right, fabric right. and in the machine at the laundromat down the street I mean, it was bad on every level but we did it and something made you want to continue doing it yes so when did it turn from okay i got this done few i figured it out to like now i want this to actually be what i do I felt a sort of inner fire just Mm -hmm. light up. And I think that we all have moments in our lives where we feel that. And you just have to be curious enough to follow that trail. And really watch it and say, wait, what I just felt is not just anything. There's something there. And I'm going to have the conviction to go follow it. So I just said, you know what? There's something here. I love this. I love how it's making people feel. Mm -hmm. I saw the connection and sort of the alignment of my past with running and all the different things I had done. And I was just like, this is it. I need to do this. And I didn't think twice about it. I just started running. And then when did you get to the point where you like quit your day job? And and, I mean, how how many restaurants at that point? Were you aproning and yeah? You know. uh, well, I was working two. I was working at two different restaurants, and then I was going on the weekends and in the mornings to see different people, and it was this whole thing where I would just schedule calls while I was on the right. job, and I would sit in my car and on Bluetooth, I would <laughs> take the calls with family meal on my lap, and right. it would be like. 349 and I'd need to like clock back in and right. so I'd be like well gentlemen it was great chatting with you uh, uh really excited about outfitting your restaurant we'll be in touch soon right. and then I would hang up and run back into Providence and like clock back in like Amazing. a maniac it was so fantastic. how many years was that like this what, was yeah. about a year and oh, a year and a half of right. of working all these different jobs doing the farmer's market we were outfitting a lot of chefs by the time I quit right um and I kept shrinking my days down so I'd you know, instead of a full week, it was like half a week and then less and less. Right. And I actually had an, a little tiny 400 square foot office by the time I quit. And I had two employees. Amazing. So I was on Fridays, I was putting my chef coat on and saying, I'll see you guys on Monday. And I would leave at 2.30 and go clock right. in and work for the weekend. Amazing. But it, it, it helped me feel still connected. Yeah. It was a little bit of my own mental safety net that yeah. if all hell broke loose with Headley and Bennett, I could always go back and cook. Yeah. Like if, if nothing else, if I failed miserably, I could always return you and knew work you had- in that restaurant yeah, or any restaurant making money yeah okay we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna talk about from that moment until this one i love it in the sauce is brought to you by oatly the vegan plant-based oat milk originally from sweden that's now making their oat milk on this side of the atlantic About 30 years ago, in a small town in Sweden, a scientist invented oat milk, and everyone thought he was totally crazy. Fast forward to New York 30 years later, and we just can't keep it in stock at Haven's Kitchen. That's because it tastes great and foams really well in coffee, but I think also a lot of the customers at Haven's Kitchen drink it because it has much less environmental impact than regular cow's milk and uses a ton less water to produce than almond milk. So while it's an amazing product, I think more and more people in the U.S. and around the world are starting to understand the benefits of eating and drinking oat milk. You can find out more about Oatly, the vegan plant-based oat milk originally from Sweden at Oatly.com. That's O-A-T-L-Y dot com. 
I'm back with Ellen Bennett, founder of Headley and Bennett. Okay, so you've now quit your job and you're outfitting a bunch of restaurants. Um, what did the business look like then? What were your thoughts about where it was going? You probably had like a big picture. I had my pies in the sky. Yeah, <laughs> and then and so sort of how did you start to make the connections between what you were doing and those pies in the sky? Um. I think as a dreamer and a doer, I was always writing lists of the things that I wanted, whether it was a roll of craft paper from Uline that was going to be the next great packaging for us right. or whatever those little and big things, I would write them down and I would just check them off and right. scratch them off. And it just kept, it kept a good tally of, of my dreams. And there were dreams like craft paper roll from Uline with a holder that was standing next to my desk. So it was easy to pack and not run right. around to every USPS looking for the right packaging. Right. Um, or all the way to, I want a factory where we can have sewing in house and it's going to be fantastic. So they were big and little dreams yeah. jammed together. Um, I think you can't just like work on the sand. You have to work on the big rocks too. Totally. And Aww. so I always, I always thought big and low, uh, big and little. And I, I was always looking for big, big orders and little orders and everybody right. mattered to me. It yeah. wasn't like just the big guys or the little guys. I think that's very obvious. I mean, you know, I, one of the things we're going to get into a little bit now is like the collaboration piece. But um, it seems like you you just wanted to spread joy. And, yeah. you know, that that's pretty obvious. And going back to the factory for a second, I mean, I've looked at pictures online. It looks like a cross between like Willy Wonka and the color factory and Candyland totally. and just, <laughs> I mean, everything in everything happy into a physical space. It's, yeah. it's kind of amazing. So what, when did you build that? And I'm sure that it had highs and lows. Oh and, God, yes. Yeah. And, and sort of like a little bit around that. Yeah. So we got the factory about almost three, three years and change into Headley and Bennett, we were still a super small team. Mm -hmm. It was very much like still flying by the seat of our pants. And honestly, just like sheer willpower was keeping everything together. And just that enthusiasm and that fire within me that I was right. like, well, I just have to keep running. And I wasn't at that moment. I was still pretty young. I mean, I'm 32 now, but yeah, when I started, I was 25. Young. So I feel like I was an embryo. Right. Um, and I had, I had no, um, you know, life damaging experience yet. So yeah, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but, um, we got the factory and I didn't even think about how are we going to set up the sewing floor? Where are we going to put things? It was yeah. just like, this is going to be magical and we got this. And you know, there were so many, faces slammed into the ground of, yeah. and of myself that yeah. it was it was very it was a very hard transition to building that thing because you have so many people telling you that it's impossible right. and that's a big decision too I mean sort of like I think everyone whatever your product is makes a decision at some point am I going to invest in something where I'm going to make it myself and eventually it will cover the costs of, of right. making the, you know, it's the, a giant the risk. Yeah. You're hoping or everything is this. And depending on the product, right. Yep. Obviously, is this something that I can outsource the production yeah. um, so that I can focus on everything else that needs to happen? Totally. And you made the decision to build it. You yeah. Know, and and it, a lot of it had to do with just like a crappy supply chain, a.k.a. Right. me driving to Compton to my sewer's house who was sewing it in the living room to right. then so bringing it all together, bringing yeah. it all together and making it be a, a running machine. Right. 
Um, and is it true that there's a slide and a swing? Yes. And, and a zip line. A zip line. The zip line is, is key. Uh, we, In how <laughs> I'm... I think, are we allowed to come visit? You're totally, yes, okay. it's actually open to the public. It so is? we designed it in a way that people could come and get tours and you'd walk in and get oh Jenny's gosh. ice cream if you wanted. That's and so cool. And we have all these fun sort of uh, like ongoing partnerships with people like Pellegrino and La Colombe right. and brands that I respect and love and think that are amazing. So then when our audience comes to us, we get to expose them to other cool things. So it's a, it's a multi-purpose space. Yeah. It's a showroom. It's a community space. We have a kitchen that we built last year. Um, we designed it with Samsung and right. they built it with us. And then we have the sewing floor cutting shipping, distribution, product wow. development, so marketing, cool. finances, all of it is there. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm in a great position to have a physical location that like embodies who we are. You know, you kind of have your version of the do. factory. I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I mean, I didn't, it's, I built Havens and then the product came out of it. But if I had a product and I could build something to manifest the product, it would be Havens, which yeah, is, which which is, is cool. kind of awesome. Um, so, I mean, I know, I know the feeling of walking into a place every single day. Yeah. I mean, even when it's crappy, it's still amazing. <laughs> it's amazing you know? because you're putting, I think what the factory did for us is it took what I saw in my head and mm -hmm. it made it so that people could walk into yeah. my head in uh, a way, 100%. right? It's like, yeah. this is what I see. Yeah. Come be a part of it. Come feel the joy that I yeah. want you to feel. Even if yeah. it wasn't joyful to bring it all together right. it was worth building that world for 100%. people and I think that that's like really special places and brands create a space yep. or create a feeling that makes you feel different than the way the rest of the world is making you feel at yeah. that moment and the way that you were before you walked into it yes. you know um, you can walk out smiling and yeah think like okay check we did it so let's talk a little bit because, you know, I try to kind of hone in a little bit on like what I think sort of people listening to the podcast are going to walk away with. And every single person that I interview, really every single person I meet, and I don't interview every single person I meet, <laughs> but I'd like to. But you're a curious George. You're so, you ask well, such great questions. Because there's so much to learn. and it's, I mean, I remember the first time I met yeah. you, it was like... Right. stars explosions are <laughs> like armageddon of feelings and like joy and happiness and commiserating and all the yeah. things and we just sat there like zoned in on each other for yeah. two hours no, on I that know. couch on the third floor it was amazing and then i was like can you just come can we just do this on the podcast because i really want other people to be privy to all of that oh, i wish i had like so good something just on have a me permanent speaker exactly. on your body um because there is something to learn from everyone in there and there is sort of like a nugget of like, if you had to reduce it all, like a nugget of a lesson yeah. that each guest has. And yeah. I, as I was doing research and as the more I thought about you, I mean, you've done collaborations with Vans, Rifle Paper, Red, like Samsung, you know, you're doing like I could, you're made well right now, which is why you're in town. This is a pre-recorded episode, everyone. It is not live. <laughs> it is FYI. not live. And um, the collaboration will be sold out by the time this yes, comes so out because half do, of it's already sold out. Do not be out. angry sorry. at me. I'm sorry. <laughs> or me. <laughs> Don't be angry at Ellen. You can't ever be angry at Ellen. Um, so I feel like, uh, you know, part of your secret sauce is, yes, you, you, you created something that doesn't exist. You came into a wide open space that needed 
some joy infused in it. And you were the perfect founder for your product. All of those things we've talked about on the show. But what I feel like your secret sauce is, is, you know, if you picture sort of, sorry, everyone, I'm drawing with my hands, but like <laughs> hands up in the air, you are, you are, you're like a planet. And then I think most people do collaborations with other planets that kind of make sense. You know, you see them all over the place now. You see brand partnerships and, and they're very clear. You mm-hmm. know, they have the same demographic or they, they're, you know, sort of in the same, you know, we both make keto products and <laughs> so we're going to do a giveaway on Instagram. Right. What, what you did was kind of like blew that up. Mm-hmm. I feel like your partnerships are completely like other planets, almost in other universes. Yes. And what you've done is kind of, you're holding this brand really, really steady and everyone knows exactly what Headley and Bennett stands for and the vibe and the feeling. And yet all of these partnerships with all of these other businesses have only seemed to kind of grow the audience and, and, and expand who you are. So I guess my question is, A, mm-hmm. do you kind of agree? Mm-hmm. And B, I feel like young brands with limited marketing budgets, yeah. we have a hard time figuring out a return on the investment of mm-hmm. certain collaborations and mm-hmm. partnerships. So I'd love a little bit more like, how do you think, I'm sure people yeah. want to do stuff with you all the time. Yeah. How do you evaluate what's going to be a good partner? Obviously, it's not always going to be just like money coming in. Totally. Um, how do you kind of, how do you build out a partnership so that you feel like both sides of it are really getting as yeah. much value out of it and, and you know, just kind of your thoughts yeah. around it. Well, I think backing up even a little bit, you got to have a really clear purpose and vision and drive and why and North Star for your company For your first. own self, right. Know who the hell you are first and then you can really clearly analyze what fits what you are and what yeah. what doesn't fit. Yeah. And then I'd also say exactly. Lots of alignment like the chiropractor mm-hmm. of business. <laughs> that could be the title of your book exactly. and you wouldn't even have to chiropractor pay me. Chiropractor of business. Yes. Thank you, Allie. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> um, that'll no, sell like hotcakes. Like hotcakes. Yeah. Man, all the doctor industry will be great all over it. Um, doctor industry, medicals, whatever. Right. Okay. So um, I think that you got to have that clear first. And then I will say at the beginning of Headley and Bennett, holy cow, I said yes to yeah. virtually everything. And if I look back at the first years of Headley and Bennett, they were very formative. I did I not make nearly as much money as I could have and should have. I gave away weddings, oh, I gave I away $50,000 weddings oh, in exchange my God. for... You were just honored that somebody would honestly, care to even talk I to you. I was so excited that someone wanted to like take the risk of like, having me? their wedding. You? Really? And I didn't yeah. know that I could get stuff. I couldn't pay for like certain things like I couldn't pay for photography but you like pay above pay and beyond packaging. with your time and your right. effort so and all like, the other sure, things a wedding no we yeah. did crazy yeah. things like one time and I had no money or business doing this but I flew somebody all the way to England to deliver an order <laughs> for Jamie Oliver that was free I mean right. just insane just because I was like oh my god it's Jamie Oliver I yeah do it. so we did a lot of that and yeah. learned definitely what was good and what wasn't what worked and what didn't where we were there's an opportunity cost to literally everything yeah and you could be saying yes to something that's not going to cost you technically money but it ends up costing your team a lot of time and that ends up being 
worse for you Definitely. than something that might cost yeah. you a little bit of money. And they're not pleased with you at yeah. all, which no, is not absolutely fun. not. So do you have any sort of system or structure in place at all that that where you plug in like potential partnership <laughs> and it goes like bloop, bloop, it's bloop, ever bloop, evolving. Bloop. Um, right. but what you said earlier, I think is such a great description of how I sort of see, uh, collaborations. I, I definitely branch out of our world yeah. and it's so vital and important to me that you see the world, not just from your own bubble, mm-hmm. but that you bust out of your bubble and see it from other people's vantage points, because that's where you learn and that's where it gets uncomfortable. And that's where nobody knows who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because guess what? You're growing. Yeah. And so to find other like-minded universes near yours and saying, Hey, I'm over here from this planet. Yeah. Like let's be friends. Right. Throw me an anchor. Yeah. And you learn so much by being exposed to that universe. So this collaboration with Maidbelt, took almost a year and it was so educational for us just how an infrastructure like that works how does the design process work to us doing a collaboration with the hundreds which is a really amazing streetwear brand in LA we did that three years ago and it was fascinating it was a world I didn't even realize existed it was like the underbelly of culture (laughs) on every level and it was all about hype and and lines and selling out of stuff and I was just like Wow. But I learned so much about how they do business that wasn't exactly parallel to our world. Right. But I was able to adapt pieces of it to our company. And so every collaboration is an opportunity to not only learn, to test products, to test out new worlds, to see if people are interested in it. It's a way for you to just explore and be curious with your business. Right. And you have to do it you know, we, we used to do a lot of collaborations. Now we've trimmed it down to one to two, maybe a year, right. even one now. Um, but it's been very good for us yeah. overall. And for me as a person, to your point, I think I've grown a lot. And I learned from the other business owners. Like I, sure. we did something with Parachute Home last year. And, you know, Ariel has an empire. I mean, her company is massive. And right. just the way she structured... Um, our meetings, our conversations, who showed up, who was around the table, who had the, who was involved, who wasn't, the things Ariel wasn't involved in uh-huh. kind of blew my mind yeah. because I thought, man, I'm like in the thick of all of it. I need to shift how right. I'm approaching this. So always going into things with your eyes wide open and taking notes and being willing to learn and say, I don't know everything is so important at every step of the way. Like, yes, I could step back and be like, I've been doing this for seven years. It's right. like, shut up. Right. You're just on the <laughs> beginning of the journey yeah. like you have so much to learn don't get cocky with yourself right. and cut the opportunities to learn yeah stuff. yeah it's funny because you know even even I mean we're tiny obviously and then and there are brands that reach out that undoubtedly we would be towing them a little bit mm-hmm. um and obviously everyone wants to be with like the the, the mothership yeah <laughs> like they kind of you know and yeah and, but I really don't look at it that way you know I, and I try, I really try not to look at it that way. And then, but then there's the balance of like, okay, my team has only so many hours in a day. I have only so, you know, you can't spread it equally to all partners. And I think, you know, trying to figure out like what that thing is that I want to learn. Like you were basically just saying like, figure out if they're, you know, testing products, Mm -hmm. testing markets, testing your team's like ability or the way that they'll kind of, you know, evolve around this particular thing. Like, 
But there should probably be going in an idea of what the goal is. Yes. If it's not just. And I think every collaboration is different. Every you're doing different collaborations with different people for different reasons. Right. And you have to know that. And I think the most successful collaborations we have had have been where we're very transparent about our end goals from the beginning and that the other partner is too and that both people are bringing something equally awesome to the table that's completely different so if you're going to do um, a collab with someone who's virtually the same as you you're probably not going to necessarily have as much big impact because you're kind of synonymous to each other. So by doing a collab with Vans, just the process of that, everything's made in China. It's a long turnaround. How do the samples fit? What's the design process? What do you plug it into? It was just mind blowing. And it was also awesome because they make shoes and we don't, and we make clothing and they don't really, right. Right. Or aprons or anything culinary oriented. Um, So we were giving them insanely great knowledge about what a chef actually wants in a shoe. Right. So using, you know, you said earlier, like we're tiny, but really it's about shifting that perspective and being like, we're different. Right. We're not tiny. We're not big. We are us. Yeah. And what we bring is us. Like our magic sauce is Havens. Our magic sauce is Headley and Bennett. And we bring knowledge in the culinary world and we bring experience from chefs. And that's things that companies like Madewell and Vans and all these other brands don't have. So you got to show up to the table and feel confident that what you bring is just as valuable as their infrastructure. Okay, I'm going to change my frame around yeah, that. change it, girl. Right, na- right here, right now, everybody <laughs> listening knows. Allie just shifted. Yeah, I just shifted my inner narrative. Um, can you, without, obviously, I'm not asking you to name one, but can you tell me about a not great collaboration mm-hmm. and specifically why it wasn't great and then how you kind of shifted for another one? Ooh, that's, that's good. Um, let's say there's been activations and events Mm -hmm. that we've uh to your point of like towing the other brand like we always we bring a lot of creativity and yes we can attitude to the table Mm -hmm. so when there's people around that are like oh that's not gonna work we can't figure it out I'm the first one to be like absolutely yes we can let's do this like let's somebody get out a whiteboard we're charting this out we can do it we'll figure it out like we we will figure it out I think was the scariest thing my team hears me say all the time because they're just like really again we're gonna figure it out (laughs) (gasps) my team has gotten (laughs) really good at then being like what because I'm, I'm like you. I'm yes. like, you guys want to have a wedding for 200 people on the roof with a water slide down we'll to the street? We'll figure it out. <laughs> Sounds great. For no money? Cool. You know? We'll borrow be one fun. from an airplane. Exactly. It'll be long and poofy. Right. Exactly. Great. We'll Yellow. hike you up with yeah. a thing. And so my team has like, over the years, they've gotten very good at being like, so what, like, when you say, yeah, like, yeah. walk us yeah, through what, that. How, like, how, what is the end goal? What, yeah. why, why is this something that you would want to do? And oh. then I'll get to, like, I want a water slide. And they'll be like, oh, okay, well, we can do that <laughs> this way, you know. Oh. But you actually have a, have a slide, so <laughs> I'm a little jelly. Okay, so activations and events where... Where we ended up towing the towing other people and the event itself and... I mean, almost to the point of like, we invited everyone, we hosted it, we held it, our people's team's time, they basically showed up, barely posted about it. Like it was just like everything was on our side. And I do tend to sort of 
oh, I don't know, have my heart on my sleeve and just yeah. say like, you're a good person. I'm a good person. Let's do this together yeah. and expect equal treatment. Yeah. And there have been more than many occasions right. where that wasn't the case. And so just being a little bit more uh, aware of the fact that everything has an opportunity cost. Right. And is it worth it for me to actually bear the burden of yeah. that other company, even if I know that that's what's going to happen? Like, totally. is it worth it? Go it into be. it eyes yep. wide open. Yep. And if I'm okay with it, just know that there's going to be 10 other things that I'm not going to do so right. i i've definitely matured in my approach right and recognized i cannot dance at everyone's wedding yeah. and the company cannot dance at everyone's wedding either and that's okay and i i don't need to be at every single event in the universe to feel like our business is successful in fact when we were doing every single thing i I didn't realize it, but my team was so uh, burnt out yeah. and stretched thin that no one was happy. Yeah. So no one won. Yeah. At no, that that's, point. That's a great point. Um, and I think what you said about being transparent around your end goals, I, I wrote this thing a while ago. It was actually on like Bobby Brown's new um, website, but it was basically Which looks very cool. By it the was, way. she's so, she's, she's so cool. She really is like the best. Mm -hmm. um, but I wrote this thing about how, I started applying a scope of work to my friendships. Oh, <laughs> And it awesome. was a little bit like, it's not, I'm, I think I'm like you, like if someone's on the street, I'll be like, you guys want to come over and hang out? Like, yeah. you know, so I don't have particularly good boundaries. Yeah. And I'm also very sort of like sensitive, I think, to stuff mm -hmm. around me. But I was, I was in a situation where, I needed to let a friend know that I wasn't going to be able to be that every morning phone call in mm -hmm. her time of need. And that what was going to end up happening, because I've seen this with, like rodeo before, yeah. was she was going to start resenting me. I was going to start avoiding her. And a good friendship had potential to go downhill mm -hmm. pretty fast. Mm -hmm. And it kind of got me thinking, like, as long as you know, like you said, transparency, yeah. Yeah. like you, as long as you kind of set, these are sort of my expectations for you. This is what you can expect from me. Yeah. I think so much of the stuff that ends up being yucky yes. is just like, again, misalignment exactly. of like expectations. It's you misalignment. Know. It's misinterpretation. Yeah. It, you know, uh, clarity is kindness. Yeah. And I, I found that I very, so very true with my staff. Yeah. Very true with, uh, just people in general yeah. when you are honest about what you need and what you don't need yeah. and if you can look someone in the eye and say hey you know what I didn't I didn't like that like yeah. let's talk that through yeah it is so difficult for us in this day and age because of technology to actually have a face-to-face -face uncomfortable conversation yeah. and duke it out yeah and just like old school as Brene Brown yeah said. exactly yeah. just old school hey yeah. I didn't like that. Let's talk about You're it. You're not doing anyone any favors, especially as You're a leader. You're carrying it yourself yeah. too, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Like not only are you not helping that other person that needs to know that what they did was wrong or that you need to them to know that what you did is wrong. Like you're carrying that weight yeah. and that sucks. Yeah. You don't want to be carrying anything no. you can't. And so if you can be the bigger person and say, Hey, I want to talk to, I do this all the time in my, and with my team. I'm like, Hey, I know you're upset about something. Let's go talk yeah. it out. I messed up here. I'm sorry about that. Right. And I'm, I'm quick to apologize and to f almost force yeah. the uncomfortable. Yeah. And to say, we to. are going to work it out until we're worked out. We're not, we're not leaving. Well, the thing is at the end of the day, there is, there is however friendly and, and smushy of a, of a founder or a boss you are, there is a power dynamic where like you're going to be the one to force that conversation. Yep. It's going to be easier for you 
no matter what, you know, yeah. just because of the dynamic there. Okay, we're running out of time. So no. I know um, any advice that you wish you had gotten earlier or you just like a couple things you want to tell to founders that are listening, anything you wish you had known, and then we'll end with like your best moment. Which oh, so good. I'm sure there are so many. <laughs> um, process is okay. Process is good. Yeah. I, I am very, very much, if you haven't already noticed, a leap while looking out of the window kind of a gal. <laughs> <laughs> I'll figure out where I'm going to land on right. my way down. And I, I've definitely recognized that planning helps tremendously. Yeah. I, I got married last year in Mexico City to my amazing husband. Aww. And we planned so much for that wedding and we had a 160 page deck that was built it was out of freaking control that's a book oh it's a freaking book that's amazing and if you look at photos on my instagram at ellen marie bennett like it what it didn't quite look like a wedding it was more like a culinary explosion of color meets like event or something and i and i bring that up only because it gave me such a wide-eyed uh example of what happens when you plan yeah heavily yeah in a good way yeah not over it doesn't squash creativity exactly it's like build a sandbox and then create inside of it gets you further and as headlam and it grows and expands it's the it's the sandboxes that my team is helping me build that are giving me the vision of what our future is and like us figuring out that you know what we're not actually just an apron company right we've created this like culinary workwear brand that you know I liken to a modern Carhartt that really is so exciting to me but if they weren't there helping me build that road yeah I don't think I could see that because I'd be lost in the bushes of the side of the road that doesn't exist yeah (laughs) right where you're just like in it not on it yeah um so so build as much uh, infrastructure as you can to create the creativity that you need and that's different for every person that's the other piece I will say everyone is different Everyone is unique and you have to recognize that and find the thing that makes you magic. Like what is it about you that lights people up and lean into that thing. Don't try to be like somebody else. Don't try to be like another company. Find the thing that makes your company or your person or your business magical and do more of that and, and grow it and nurture it like a plant, like eat, consume everything from podcasts to exercise, whatever it is that makes you tick, do more of that and do less of the things that don't help you. you. If you hang out with people that make you feel like shit, stop hanging out with those people. If you feel like you can't get up early in the morning, stop going to bed so late. (laughs) If you drink wine and then you're like groggy in the morning, why don't you don't, don't drink wine? Like whatever it is, they're little decisions that you're making that help you be better. So I think that's really important. And lastly, I'll say, um, as a creative person, finding infrastructure for your creativity on a personal level. So carving out time on my calendar where I block out chunks where, you know, I am running the company, but I really enjoy randomly like photo styling for a photo shoot. Yeah. So I love getting on my hands and knees and playing with color and fruits and different things. And so my team just knows like, Oh, Ellen's doing like (laughs) she's in her creative time or I don't love computers. I love writing. So if I'm having a meeting, I take notes written first and I have a giant whiteboard in my office and I draw it out. And that's how my (laughs) process works. And I need it to go on a post it before it goes on a to-do list. And that's just me. And it might be weird and it might not be like you, but that's me and that's okay and figuring out what's you and what's not somebody else is 
is, is how you're going to get ahead. Totally. Like, don't feel totally. like you're weird. You're just you. You're just you. All right. Well, that was kind of perfect. <laughs> I, I don't really have anything else to say. Let's drop our mics I and think our we're headphones. Done. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. No. Anyway. Thanks, bye. Um, <laughs> do you have a best moment? Or do you? I, I know. I, that's a ridiculous question. Can you think of a moment that was like, oh, okay, I'm in my, I'm in my magic. <laughs> I'm in my magic. I think that um, the best moments are a lot of little moments yeah. aggregated. So, you know, for every best moment I've had, I've had 1,500 shitstorms yeah. right behind it. Yep. And because I've survived those shitstorms, that little moment of magic, whether it's waking up and seeing my husband or going downstairs and the pig and my chickens <laughs> standing at the door looking at me, waiting for them to feed me, I mean, for me to feed them, like those moments are magical, yeah. but it's because I've endured so much anguish and challenge and situations yep. that have brought me to this place where I'm still alive. I'm still here. I'm still standing. And like, that is the magic of life. Yeah. And, and I think we have like a, sometimes a misconception that we're going to reach this place where it all works out and then that's it. I know. And that is not life. Like life is, it's conquering challenges yeah. and reaching the next one and then reaching that and saying, if I could conquer that, I can conquer a bigger mountain. Yeah. Let's keep climbing. Yeah. And, and that is, um, those are my best moments when Amazing. I recognize that and I shut up for a second and I just acknowledge whatever it is that I faced yeah. that week, that month, that year. Amazing. All right, Ellen, <laughs> I, we have to go. I'm a I little choked up. You I love, love you. Me. You can follow me on yeah. the gram. How, come, yeah, let's come do follow. it all. I have a pet pig. So like you really Amazing. just, so even if you're like, yeah, Ellen's Ellen cool, Marie but like Bennett. come to, come for the pig, right. <laughs> come for the 200 pound pig, Oliver, um, <laughs> Ellen Marie Bennett. And, and then, then the company is Headley and Bennett. Right. And, uh, Oliver also has Oliver's pig adventures. I mean, and of course he does. come on, I'll throw it out. If you're ever in LA, come visit the factory, come check us coming. out even if you don't cook that doesn't mean you can't wear Headley and Bennett our entire collab with Madewell was like jumpsuits work shirts jackets Amazing. bandanas yeah. t-shirts button-ups work coats yeah no I got the coolest little denim jumpsuit yes, situation girl. um and it made me feel like like um like a badass a little badass but a little sexy at the same yeah time. you know like a little yep. worky sexy exactly thing. yeah exactly. okay um Thank you guys for listening to another episode of In the Sauce. Jeet, thank you for being our engineer today. Thanks, Jeet. Um, and I'll be back with another episode coming to you soon. Bye. In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.